Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion and welcome back to the final episode of another mini series that we have been doing. This is not the the car launch delivery series, although you probably figured that out by the time you clicked on the thumbnail or the title of this particular podcast, but this is episode four of the Red Bull Challenges series. And in this series, we have been reviewing the four most likely candidates in each episode that we think are most likely to challenge Red Bull in the 2024 season. Now, of course, if you are a Red Bull fan, you probably listen to this and thinking, well, we're not going to be challenged in 2024. We're probably going to run away. But for the sake of the competition, I think it's a good idea that we review them anyway. And so far, just to recap, if you haven't checked them out already, we've covered Aston Martin. We've covered McLaren, we've covered Mercedes, and now we are covering my personal favorite, the Ferrari episode. And I've got a guest on, and I couldn't think of who better to come on this show with me to talk about Ferrari, someone who's going to rein me in so that I don't bore you with all this Ferrari optimism, saying it's going to be our year, Ferrari are going to win it all, Hamilton is coming into a winning team in 2025. I've got the perfect guest, uh, perfect guest, I should say, to rein me in on this. And we've got F1 journalist Sam Cooper. Sam, first of all, how are you doing, mate? And how how have you been? Because it's been so busy for you guys at the moment in the midst of the car launches, all the huge news that we've been getting from all corners of the F1 world. Have you had an opportunity to sit down and take a breather? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to rain on some parades for Ferrari. Um, in terms of the business, yeah, it's been quite, I mean, it's, it's been enjoyable to be honest because we had such a slow, not a slow winter, but like a typical winter of just nothing happening. And like, I always get asked, like, oh, you must really enjoy the winter because you're not working. I'm like, I am working. And it's even harder than it normally is. So when um, I think we had like Lando's New Deal, I oh, know it was Charles Leclerc New Deal, Lando New Deal, Andretti, Lewis Hamilton, Stake. And then uh, Alpine, like, launches, 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 launches. And, yeah, it's been a busy time, but I always prefer it more than when I'm having to think of something something to write. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there's certainly uh, been that. Certainly no doubt that you've had to worry about what to write about over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks and even months or so. It's been a crazy winter break. I mean, some people have gone out as far as said that it's more interesting this winter break than the actual 2023 season, although... You know, I don't certainly share that, but I'm, I'm sure I can understand why some people would say that. 
in terms of all the huge news, I think we'll we'll narrow it down to the car launches because there's so much that we could have discussed at this point. We've seen a few of the cars right now. At the point of recording, we've seen the new Huss, or at least the renders of the new Huss. We haven't seen it do the shakedown yet, which I think is coming some point next week. We've also seen the McLaren livery, and we, we may see more of the car when they do their official launch next week. We've also seen the Williams. We've also seen the Stake, and we've also seen the Alpine. Of those five cars at this point, do you have any favourites that you've seen so far? I mean, it's funny you ask me because this morning I wrote, I did an article. It hasn't come out yet, um, but of my ranking them. And I put steak at the top. I thought the steak was the best looking. I thought, obviously, carbon fibre is such a huge talking point. The exposed carbon fibre, like, and pretty much all the cars have. Yeah, all the cars have come out so far. I've got a hefty amount of carbon fibre. But I thought, at least with the steak one, it looked like it was interesting. Like, it played a part into the actual colour scheme. Like, Whereas I put Alpine at the other end because there's, oh, I was just so disappointed. I went to I went to the launch and when the covers came off, you it was like, oh, like there was just hardly any color. And Alpine, to be fair, have been known for like a team that have a bit of color. Like the pink, the pink they started of last year. They've had some blues over the years. Before that, obviously the blacks and yellows of Renault. So just to see that was quite disappointing. But yeah, I think I think Stake has done the best so far. That that lime green. At least you'll be able to see it on the track. My worry is with teams like Williams, for example, who've got carbon fiber with a very dark blue, like that is going to be quite hard to differentiate on a track. So we'll see, we'll see when it comes to it and we'll see what the other five teams or whatever it is left have got, uh, got up their sleeve. Yeah. I mean, this episode's coming out on Monday. So by the time that this comes out, we'd have seen the, the V carb visa cash app, Red Bull, Instagram, McDonald's, mm. whatever car you want to call it. <laughs> we would have seen that by then. So, Based on what we saw the teaser on their social media, I'm hoping that it's going to be more akin to what we were hoping to see from some of these cars, a bit more brighter, vibrant liveries. And uh, that's another team as well in this AlphaTauri and Toro Rosso days. It's always had a great livery, so hopefully they can produce something good. We're all c- crying out for it. I personally have a bone to pick with Alpine on this. Now, I didn't mention this in the episode that I did when I talked about the A524, but what annoyed me is not so much the the final livery itself, which, you know, some people love it like yourself, Sam, not much of a fan. I'm actually a bit disappointed, but the bit that really got me was the fact that on their social media, they've been teasing for a while now, this pink camouflage like livery. And we all got intrigued about it. I know it's launch season and we always look for these little tidbits to try and get ourselves excited about it. And of course we love it. You know, it's that breath of a new season that we all get excited about. Uh, and this is like the curtain call for it. But from doing all of that to them revealing basically a carbon fiber livery with a few blue and pink accents that they're saying, oh, we're going to rotate this at eight races this season, as if anyone's going to notice. What on earth is that about? I'm not happy about that, to be honest. I feel cheated by Alpine. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think that's probably, they set the expectation way too high. I mean, it reminds me of um, McLaren last year when they did the chrome livery. Like they were really teasing the chrome. And then when it came out, it wasn't so chromey, for lack of a better word. Like people, ah. But I feel like if you set an expectation that high, you should probably back them up, kind of thing. Maybe it's all a double bluff, and we'll see a, a different car from Alpine. But I, I don't know. It's not going to be like that one they were tweeting, at least, which is surprising. You would have thought, at least with the pink version, they would have gone a bit more, a bit more out there. But it's pretty similar, barring some little tweaks around the side. So yeah, all quite disappointing, really. Yeah, very much so. But uh, hey, if the car's fast, nobody's going to care so much. But uh, we'll have to wait and see 
what happens during preseason testing and the season ahead. But look, we're here to talk about Ferrari. And as this is the final episode of our assessing the Red Bull Challengers series, the way we've been kind of doing this with the other teams is reflecting on what went down for them in 2023, what lessons that they can take from that season, what weaknesses they struggled with, and obviously what their expectations will be heading into the 2024 season, as well as our own expectations for them. So in regards to Ferrari, 2022, off the back of that, they came runner-up to Red Bull. And heading into 2023, I'm sure a lot of people pinned their hopes on Ferrari being the most likely candidate, if not the only serious candidate, that Red Bull were going to have to deal with in terms of a championship challenge. We never really got that at any point of the season. The only time Ferrari looked a genuine threat to Red Bull was probably the Vegas race. Now, I'm not including Singapore because that was crazy one-off, even though Ferrari won that race. But reflecting on the 2023 season as a whole, Ferrari come third, just finished behind Mercedes, arguably had the second fastest car most of the time this season than any of the other teams. How would you rate Ferrari's 2023 season, Sam? Was it a step back for them? Um, Maybe not a step back, but I think Red Bull made a big step forward and other teams made a step forward. So I think... Ferrari's 2023 car was better than their 2022 car, but I think the rest of the grids either caught up with them or moved ahead of them, and I think that's that's really what showed. I think I think Fred Fasor was quite interesting towards the end of the year. He was talking a lot of how this particular design had its limits, like they were they were finding they couldn't improve it without massively overhauling it. And if you take that obviously and look at Haas, who said they had similar issues because they they buy a lot of their parts from Ferrari, so that makes sense. So. I think we're going to, it's going to see a very different car going in, into this into this year, into 2024. And I think you'd sort of put them in that bracket of right now, we don't know who's going to be the strongest competitor. I mean, I've always personally said that I think McLaren's going to be the, the one closest to Red Bull this season. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's every chance Ferrari could do it. I think we've got a lot of teams that are promising like this brand new car. I mean, like I said, I was at the Alpine launch yesterday and that's what they said. I think they said the only thing that was the same was the steering wheel. So they're another team that have promised a lot. Um, Ferrari have also said it would be very drastically different and obviously we're speaking before we've even seen it so yeah I think they're a number one they're one of a number to be in it and it's just going to be that first race that we'll see how close they are and I think I think the main problem for a lot of these teams is it's okay to be quick on certain tracks like you mentioned they're, they're quick in Vegas stuff like that and they won Singapore but what makes Red Bull so good is they've been pretty good at every every single circuit. There's not other than Singapore. There's not really a circuit they've looked really poor on, and I think that's what wins titles ultimately. Like you can have a race where you you challenge Red Bull, but that's one out of potentially twenty four this year. So yeah, I think they need to get an all rounder of a car, and let's see let's see what they do. Let's see if they've done it. And I think the most important thing Ferrari will be looking to improve, whilst we'll be talking about other aspects of the car later on in this episode, is having a car that is not only fast on Saturday, but also one that's fast on Sunday. I mean, Charles Leclerc, proof in the pudding here, five pole positions, only Max Verstappen had more pole positions than him last season. But in the races, not only Charles Leclerc, but both Ferraris, Carlos Sainz as well, they peaked very, very early, but then it started to teeter out and decline as the weekend went on. The only notable exceptions we saw, of course, was Singapore and Vegas. Yeah, you don't you don't get points on a Saturday, famously, unless it's a sprint race, obviously. But um, yeah, they've always, I mean, I say they, I mean, it's Leclerc, most of the time it's always been quite good on Saturday. That seems to be his strongest day. 
And again, we sort of passed. Like they were such good qualifiers, especially Hulkenberg, and they fell away. So, yeah, you're right. They need to work out the race pace. And I think a lot of people have often said the Red Bull. That's where Red Bull is strongest is the race pace. Like they they can just those tires just do not die. Like they can go on and on and on forever. So yeah, there's some pretty fundamental things they need to overcome. But I mean, it's better. At least they are quick on Saturday. If we were say, I mean, similar to what Mercedes are like, where they weren't quick on Saturday and they weren't quick on Sunday. That's more of an issue than Ferrari have got, I feel. I mean, they've got a quick quality car. They just need to work out how to make it better in the race. Yeah, very true. I mean, it's better than being fast on a Friday. I remember countless times. I remember some teams in the past where they always show good pace on Friday. It never translates over the weekend. And more often than not, that's just because not everybody's running at full tilt. And some that are fast, it tends to flatter them because they are running a bit more uh, intensively. I suppose, than other teams are across the weekend. In terms of that aspect of the car, because again, this is something that I think we could attribute to all of the Ferrari power teams, Ferrari, Haas, Alfa Romeo, now stake, probably going to be kick by the time the season starts at this rate. I mean, it, it may end up being Sauber by the time we get to the first race, who knows? But um, I, I feel that all of the teams, with the exception of Red Bull, have had this problem with tyre management. It seems to be an issue with the ground effect cars that not everybody's really been able to grasp. Do you think that's highlighted more so by the Ferrari teams, or is that just something that we've picked up on a lot because Ferrari are the high-profile team that have had this issue? Um, that's a good question. I hadn't put much thought into it before. But yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, Mercedes had their issues at times with with tyres I don't really recall McLaren having that big of issue I think Piastri had a bit of problems I think that was more to do with him being a rookie and sort of getting used to the car rather than the car itself um so yeah I think you could probably say the Ferrari in particular Haas I mean the Haas has really been the one that's sort of just eat at through tyres at an alarming rate so yeah that has been a problem for Ferrari over the years and I think that's quite a crucial problem they need to solve so I mean, obviously, it's it's sort of swings and roundabouts. Like, you want the car to be as quick as possible, but um, at the same time, you don't want it to absolutely destroy the tyres. So I think Ferrari will probably have had to find a good balance over the winter of what, what, what can be achieved by being quick, but also making sure you don't have to do about six pit stops a race. No, absolutely. We don't want to see a repeat of what Haas had to experience at Abu Dhabi last season. I mean, that was painful for them. Hopefully they've got on top of that. I mean, the reason I ask is because I've seen in a lot of the car launches, a lot of the teams, especially Alpine, emphasizing tire management. Um, I know Haas and, and Stake slash Kick slash Sauber, whatever, they, they were doing that too. Um, it's just something that intrigued me because I know Ferrari were highlighting those issues, but it seems as everybody except Red Bull and, and McLaren as well, arguably as well, weren't really struggling with that as much. So it will be interesting to see how that goes down this season. Um, I want to talk about Fred Vasseur because start of the season, Fred Vasseur steps in at the Ferrari hot seat, replacing Matty Bonotto. Uh, the chairman, John Elkin and CEO Benedetta Vigna decided to pull the plug on that one with Matty Bonotto. Much to some of the fans' dismay, they felt perhaps he deserved an, at least one more season to try and turn things around. And, and I was one of them. I felt that this was a little bit... Um, over the top or unnecessary at this point. Um, but Fred Vasseur came in, arguably, whether or not he was the, the ideal candidate remains to be seen. I personally think Ferrari hides the best possible candidate that was interested in taking the job. I certainly think there were more higher profile names on that that weren't interested. Um, but in terms of the job Fred Vasseur has had to do to try and stabilise 
the sort of mini decline that Ferrari were having and tried to put them back on track like they were at the beginning of 2022, how would you assess Fred Vasseur's first season at Ferrari? Yeah, I think he's done a good job, to be honest. Um, I think 2022 was quite an embarrassing one for Ferrari because obviously they started so well. They had endless amount of strategy problems that made them sort of a laughing stock, really. And like, we didn't really see that, obviously, in 2023. And I think it's funny with F1, obviously, you get all your star fires tend to be over the winter break due to gardening leave and stuff like that. But when they join, the car they're, they're coming into is already half built and like they're not going to have that much input to it. Obviously, Fred Vassour in the, the team principal role, his job was a bit different, sort of sort the team out, really, to make it a bit more steady, make it a bit more efficient. And I think he's done a good job of that. I think they had, they like made some good changes in their strategy department. Let's not forget, he's also lost a fair amount of staff. Like, David Sanchez has gone to McLaren. Like, Lauren Meckes has gone to Raftari or Visa Cash App now. Um, so, yeah, he's had to deal with that. And I think he has done a good job. Like... He, I think they get P three, yeah, P three in the championship last year is, is a good, a good, good place for them. And I think this year is going to be sort of where we see him coming to his own. Really, he's put a lot of the stuff in place, and it's going to start hopefully clicking. Like, obviously, yeah, there was always doubts about him because yes, he's been in F one for ages, but it wasn't at like a top team, was it? It wasn't one of the big, one of the big teams. So, I think he's done a good job, and I think he has been quite crucial to a lot of the elements around Ferrari. Like, there doesn't seem to be that much tension really like there was early on there was some reports that there was people falling out but compared to what it was like under Bonotto it seems a bit more calmer and I think I I don't yeah do you get Charles Leclerc renewing for that long if Fred Vassil's not there I don't think you get Hamilton joining if Fred Vassil's not there like I think he's done those two he's been a crucial part and I think he's just sort of changed the environment at Ferrari and I think that was that was much needed like it was such a, not a toxic workplace, but like a toxic environment just of being so under the microscope and having like no one to sort of shield you from it. I think Fred Pessoa's done a good job of that. Like when they've had problems, he sort of made a joke out of it, which does help to like alleviate some of the pressure. And I guarantee he's not saying that it's all fine behind closed doors. So yeah, I think it's good. I think he set them up well. Obviously the proof is in the pudding. We'll see how this car is but from the outside before we've seen seen it unveiled it looks like he's doing a good job i agree i think if you take away the the championship position that ferrari ultimately finished in even though they went down a place from where they were in 2022 and some people may think they're further away from winning a championship than they were in 2022 which i think is fair but i think that's more down to red bull being brilliant and setting new standards of dominance that we haven't really seen before Replacing Matty Bonotto was never going to be an easy task for Fred Vasseur. And I had a lot of respect and a lot of praise for Matty Bonotto. I think he did a pretty good job as Ferrari team principal. But I think ultimately he ended up being a victim of his own success and the scenario he found himself in. And as you rightly pointed out, it was a very toxic environment. There was fallings out with the drivers and a lot of key personnel that have moved on elsewhere. I'm sure the conversations with the board would have been very strenuous to him. And you could tell with Matty and that this was a job that was coming, becoming increasingly difficult for him to manage to the point where perhaps he was doing too much. He was involved in the car. He was involved in the management. He was involved in the financial stuff and everything that comes with that. It's too many hats for one man. And it almost felt like perhaps you needed someone in there that doesn't necessarily have to worry about tinkering with the car. They can play that Toto role, that that Christian Horner role, if you like, at the team. And let the experts do what they've got to do. You, you're just there to govern. Make sure 
the organization, all the little facets and pieces that fit into that all work collaboratively, not so much fragmented, if you like. And that's something I think Ferrari have been for a while. And we've got to this point now, Sam, as you've rightly pointed out, where calm very much is the word at Ferrari. You know, expectations aren't tempered, but there is a sense of patience there. There is a sense of realism. The drivers, um, particularly Charles Leclerc, as you rightly pointed out, was committed to new long-term deal. And I'm absolutely com- absolutely certain that he would have known about Hamilton potentially coming when he signed that deal. I don't think Ferrari have pulled the rug from underneath and on that one. And as you've mentioned, they've convinced arguably the greatest of all time in Sir Lewis Hamilton to join this team. That doesn't happen without the input and the impact that Fred Vasseur has made on this team. Yeah, you're right, definitely. Like, I think the best team principals, going back to what you said a minute ago, they're not technical people. Like, I think if you look at Toto Wolf, Christian and all those, like Zach Brown as well, obviously, um, then they're not technical heads. They're there to sort of man-manage and sort of keep the business running kind of thing. And I think that's proven to work well. Like, when was the last time a really technical head was part of the... I think probably Ross Braun. You go back to Ross Braun in 20... That's the name I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, 2009, obviously. That's the last time where, like, a technical chief. I think these days, with F1 being the way it is, you sort of, you need what is traditionally sort of a football manager's role, like, where you sort of take the heat for the team and sort of just guide it. And I think that's obviously worked well. I think Fred Bissell's not. I'm not saying he's not, not got a technical mind, but he's, he's done quite a good job of the man-managing side. And I think he gets on well with the drivers and people, people within the team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think that's an aspect of Formula One that is often underrated. And I think it's helped a lot of fans, myself included, to really see the real stock and value that Fred Vasseur offers Ferrari. Now, look, I don't want to get carried away. It's been one year. Ferrari haven't won anything or done anything amazing. But in the context of where they were in 2022, looking ahead to 2023, people were probably hoping for more and were bitterly disappointed. Even though it's not a dead cert, Ferrari do look to be in a much stronger position in terms of where they're going. Uh, I mentioned this before, they're not a prancing horse, but it's a nice gentle gallop going on and it is getting better compared to where they were a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're right. I think there's, they're heading into the season with uh, realistic optimism. Obviously, I don't, I don't think anyone's seriously expecting them to win the title. I think that seems still a bit, of, a bit out of reach kind of thing, but I think a lot of people feel a bit more positive this year than perhaps they did 12 months ago. Yeah, absolutely agree. As much as it pains me to see, I would love to see <laughs> Ferrari win a world championship, whether it be Sainz or Leclerc, doesn't really matter to me. Just bring it home, lads. Um, it'd be nice if Sainz did it. That'd be quite interesting. And then replacing him with Lewis Hamilton. But uh, yeah, what can you do? Um, mm. In terms of the car itself, obviously we've mentioned a few characteristics with the SF23 that really limited Ferrari. Fred Vasseur, Amongst so many people that have had their take on this year's Ferrari for 2024, Fred himself has said that 95% of the car is is going to be different. Of course, that's a trait that we've heard with a lot of these teams, probably everyone except Red Bull, about how their car is going to be a revolution uh, rather than an evolution. In terms of what you're expecting for Ferrari next season, 
even though you've already mentioned that McLaren looked to be in the best place, in your opinion, to challenge, do you feel encouraged that Ferrari are more likely to produce something that could be a challenger this year than they were last season? Yes, I'd think so. Like just being further into the regulation cycle, you'd think they've probably got a better understanding of of what they're doing. I mean, there is always a question like how how much can Red Bull improve? Like we've had this will be our third season of these regulations. Like where's the ceiling for them to hit? And you'd imagine the strides they're making won't be as big as the other teams catching up. So yeah, I think personally, I I, I sort of foresee like Ferrari being in P three. Like I said, I think McLaren would be the ones that are really pushing Red Bull. And I think out of the other two, which is obviously Ferrari and Mercedes, I think I think Mercedes is more of a gamble at the moment currently. I think they've got a lot of things they need to solve. And, like, it's really crucial winter for them. Like, whereas Ferrari, they, they had a car that won a race in, in 2022, and 2023, sorry, and only two teams can say that. So they have a lot of going, lot going for them. And like I said, the more that I think Fred Vassour's there, the more that's going to help. I mean, the only question, obviously, going into it now is sort of how, what does this Hamilton news do to affect the team like yes it looks good but it don't forget it's a year away you've now got a driver who knows he's being kicked out like how is he going to react and it's not a position that Carlos Sainz has not been in before but I think last time when he did it it was, obviously, it was his choice to go to Ferrari so he had that final season McLaren knowing that he was going somewhere whereas this year he's been he's been kicked out like there's no other way to say it he's been dumped out for Hamilton like what's his motivation level going to be is it going to be super high because he wants to show Ferrari they're wrong or is it going to be lower because he's thinking, well, stuff this, I can't be bothered if you're not going to keep me. Well, Carlos himself tweeted out that, you know, whilst this news was disappointing for him, and, I, and I'm really sad for him, honestly, I would have loved for Carlos Sainz to stay at Ferrari. It wasn't too long ago I was saying on this podcast of Ferrari, get the deal done, get him signed up for the long term. It makes no sense to get rid of him or to not keep him on. But then when Lewis Hamilton walks through the door, you're like, yeah, fair enough. You got to move. You know, it's your game recognizes game. You got you got to take it for what it is. I'm not going to say no to Lewis Hamilton driving Ferrari when he's still driving at the level that he is. Um, but it, yeah, in, in terms of the season ahead for Carlos Sainz, uh, you know, as you've mentioned him, is he under uh, an unfortunate kind of pressure now to showcase to other teams what he's capable of, or do you think he has enough stock in the bank where if Ferrari and himself don't have a great season? there'll still be some big teams out there looking to try and bring him in for 2025, assuming he hasn't got a contract sorted out already. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of things going for him. Like you said, he's 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 had a good time at Ferrari. I don't think anyone you know, would say he's been poor. Like, he's won, a ra- he's won two races, in fact. So he's, he's got enough, he's got a fair amount of points. He beat Leclerc in his first season. So I don't think he really needs to prove what he can do. I mean, obviously, he's going to want to put his, his best foot forward. I think he's in a lucky position that, Obviously, we're going, we went into this year with like 14 drivers who were out of contract. Like, it's a mad time for the season for the drivers and the, the driver market, really. Like, yes, there's a few that are tied up now, but we were, at, I was, like I said, I was at Alpine yesterday, and you've got those two drivers, they're both out of contract at the end of this year. Like, same with Stake on Monday, like, they're both out of contract. So, there's a lot of free seats, and I think it's a good time to sort of be going into that. And I think, I think Simons would be an asset for a lot of the teams. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to point at someone. I mean, in an ideal world, he'd probably go to Mercedes, but I don't think Mercedes would like the optics of hiring the guy who's just been sacked by taking your driver. So I don't think he'll go there, but I personally don't think he'd go back to Red Bull. But I think any of the other teams, like he'd definitely be welcome there. Like he, he def- he'll definitely do stuff. He's not old, is he? Like we got to remember this. He's not sort of 
up in the like 26, 27, isn't he? I think he's a bit older than that. I think he's a bit close to 30. Like, I think he's in that, he's in that sort of like Pierre oh, Gasly yeah. bracket, like yeah. that sort of age. But yeah, again, they're, they're young kind of thing. Like, it's not Lewis Hamilton or Fernando Alonso, like who were up near their 40s. Like, he's got a lot of racing left. Personally, I think those Audi rumors, I think there's no smoke about fire. So, I think eventually he'll end up there, whether he goes to stake in 2025 and sort of has a year racing the stake and goes there, or whether he just takes a year out and says, I'll, I'll have a sit out and I'll come in when I already come in. But I think he's he's got a lot of options. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of people already been ringing his phone saying, would you like to come drive for us? I wonder if one of those would be Toto Wolf. Quite interesting. Can't rule that out. <laughs> you can't rule that out. But yeah, I just, I personally, I don't think Mercedes would go for... Signs. If, if signs had come from another team, I think that you definitely make an option. But I just think because because Ferrari have essentially booted him out for Mercedes' best driver, I don't think it looked good for Mercedes to be like, okay, we'll take we'll take your reject, we'll have him instead. So even though I think he's good enough to drive for Mercedes, I just think the optics of the the situation probably won't allow that. Very true. And, you know, on, on the point we made earlier, if anyone still has doubts or reservations about the man management skills of Fred Vasseur, He's managed to convince Lewis Hamilton, after all these years of teasing and maybes and maybe nots, to join Ferrari when they're arguably in no better position to win a world championship right now than Mercedes are. And that, that does I, say something. Yeah, I would say they're not in a worse position. And that's probably the, for the first time in a long time that you'd say there's just as much chance of winning at Ferrari as there is Mercedes. And I think Lewis Hamilton has obviously always wanted to go to Ferrari. He's made, it, he's made no secret about that. Like, it's sort of his dream. So if he thinks there's as good as chance I'm going to win at Ferrari, there is a Mercedes, I can see why he's done it. And I think this is the first time since 2014, probably, that you'd say that Ferrari have at least an even chance of winning the title as Mercedes did. Well, they certainly have the drivers uh, for 2025, that's for sure. Um, in terms of their development over the course of the 2024 season, because, again, this is an area that... Whilst we don't often tag Ferrari solely with being bad developers, historically, they have not been as good in recent years as Mercedes and Red Bull. And that is obviously going to be a problem for them, but they still need to rectify. I think what we saw from them following the Japanese Grand Prix when they made those upgrades to their car, it brought out the best in Charles Leclerc. And I think that gave a lot of people encouragement that Ferrari had finally figured out how to deal with their issues. And hopefully that puts them on a good platform going forward. This is going to be a critical year for them. Not so much in terms of, you know, a championship challenge. I think not even myself, one of the or the most ardent Ferrari fan, would realistically expect Ferrari to win a world championship this year. But 2025 is going to be a different story. We'll be much we'll be at the furthest point in the regulation sets before they reset again in 26. Red Bull may have hit that ceiling by then. We don't know at this point. And they're going to have Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton in that car. You can't really ask for much more than that for a challenge. So I guess the question is, Sam, are Ferrari going to be under some unnecessary pressure through their own doing in 2024 to try and give themselves the best platform possible for Hamilton and Leclerc to step in and have a go at 2025? Uh, I personally don't think so. I think Ferrari are always under pressure, aren't they? Because they're Ferrari, simply who they are. Like They could be having the worst season ever and they're still under pressure. So... I think it will sort of be something that galvanised the team, I guess, like sort of knowing that this seven-time world champion's coming. The first world champion you've had since Vettel, like he's coming in next year regardless. Like, yes, they're going to want to do well this year and they're going to 
want to do all those things. But I don't think it'd be the end of the world if they don't. Like, I think it's fine. Like, Hamilton's going to come regardless. So, yeah, I mean, there's always passion on Ferrari because, like I said, they are Ferrari. So it's just sort of goes back to what we said about Fred Vassour sort of shielding them from that and making, making like, the team not crumble under the weight of the expectation, really. Yeah, very true. I mean, I, I often can, well, I don't want to compare this to 95 when they brought Schumacher in, in, in for the 96 season, but in that season, it was halfway through the season, I think the Canadian Grand Prix or something like that, when we knew that Schumacher was potentially going to Ferrari. So we were halfway through that season where things were already in motion. And then by that point, okay, it's happening. We'll see where we go then. But this season is a bit different because we haven't even got to 2024, the start of it yet. And you could be guilty in thinking that Ferrari, there, there is a chance they may take their eye off the ball, what they're doing right now, because they're so excited about what's going to happen in 2025. I think that's kind of where my concern is that you could be forgiven for thinking if they take their eye off the ball, they may fall further behind this year. And that in turn is obviously going to make things harder for them going forward. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'll, 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 what I will say is that obviously next year's car is just an evolution of this year's car. So, anything they do learn this year will be an improvement on hopefully next year's car. So yeah, they've got that motivation, but yeah, like I said before, like it's, it's just Ferrari. They can't really be allowed to just accept mediocrity really. Like I think they will be energized to do it. I think obviously it's been so long since they've won the title. They won just one race last year. They want to want to reel in Red Bull, like ideally like as soon as possible, whether that's with signs in the car or with Hampton. So yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be up like up for the challenge at least i think there's a lot of good noise coming out of marinello currently i mean there usually is pre-season but we'll see we shall see if that actually translates on the track absolutely um we talked about carla signs potentially having a point to prove this season for his own reasons charles leclerc equally probably has his own points to prove this season he didn't get a win last season he was a bit unfortunate as i said i think he should have definitely won that vegas race but he was just unfortunate with the timing of the safety car um we saw the better of him towards the latter end of 2023 when he did struggle earlier on when the car was not really operating the way he would have liked what what kind of season does Charles Leclerc need to have in order to prove that he's going to be ready for a serious challenge, whether that be in 2025 in where it's in his own team or for the championship or beyond that, because he's made a big commitment to Ferrari for the next few years, at least. So he's definitely going to have to showcase that he is almost indispensable at this point. Yeah, exactly. I think he's going to want to absolutely destroy Carlos Sainz this year. I mean, he hasn't really done that in any year. Has he? Like They've always been quite close. Like I said, Sainz beat him the first year. And I think if you've got a driver of the talent of Hamilton coming in next year, Leclerc's got this year to prove that he deserves to be number one driver. I mean, Ferrari like to say there's no number one, but I think we've all sort of... I mean, I say that, they have that time as sort of favoured signs. Like, obviously, Leclerc's the the, the favoured choice for the future. Like, that's That's been shown by this who they've chosen to replace Hamilton with. Um, but yeah, I think this year he really needs a strong year. He needs to make zero mistakes, like or very few mistakes. So that's still something that's part of his game that... We've seen more than Verstappen. I think those two are quite easy to compare because they're very very similar in age. I think there's about 16 days difference between their birthday. And the number of snakes you see Verstappen make compared to the number you see Leclerc make is quite, quite startling, really. So he needs a really strong year. He needs to make zero mistakes. He might not win a race, but that might be down to the car more than him. But like I said, he just needs to firmly establish himself as the future of Ferrari, as the number one, before Lewis Hampton comes in next year. And I think it comes down to exactly what you said there, you know, 
drive a bit more like Verstappen and eradicate the mistakes. That's ultimately the thing with Charles Leclerc that I will admit as much as I think he's an incredible talent, still needs to iron that particular issue out of his arsenal. But uh, he's certainly more than capable of doing it and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. But yes, he does need a big 2024 to lay down that marker that Hamilton is going to his team and not the other way around. Um, But we'll see how that all goes down in 2025. Can't wait for it. In terms of expectations, Sam, to round this episode off for the season, 2024, of course, what does a good season look like for for Ferrari? Is runner-up enough or do they have to lay down a marker that they are without doubt Red Bull's biggest threat going forward? Yeah, I think runners-up would be fine. As it, I mean, it all depends on the points. Really. Like if, if Red Bull are like 200 points down the road, like that's not good. But if it's, I don't know, within 50, I think that's that would be a huge season for Ferrari. I don't, like I said, I don't foresee them winning the championship. I really think Red Bull have got it pretty much in the bag. Like, obviously, we're speaking while this investigation is horn is going on, and that's always something that could potentially derail them. But... As it stands, like going into the new year, if we just put that to one side, I think, yeah, I think Ferrari should be happy with P2, obviously. Like Mercedes got it last year, so there's something to get back there. I think McLaren would be really strong. We can't rule out Aston Martin as well, because obviously they, they've had they've had good periods as well. So, yeah, I think I think, I think think Renault's up would be good progress. Like I said, as long as it's not completely behind Red Bull by a, an astonishing amount, then I think, yeah, that that, that, that is good enough progress for the team. Yeah, and maybe win a couple of races as well. I think Ferrari would much rather see Charles Leclerc take the top step on the podium than pole mm-hmm. position, which is something that is unfortunate because he's been kind of her herald, well, not heralded, he's been kind of um, stereotyped as a driver that bottles it on the Sunday when we all know Formula One is a bit more complicated than that. And uh, it's more of an achievement that he managed to get it on pole on the Saturday in this current era. So hopefully for his sake, that changes fortunes. But uh, no, I absolutely agree with you, Sam. I, I think that's definitely, I think, what Ferrari should be aiming for, um, to try and get close to Red Bull. If they, by some miracle, put themselves into a scenario where they're fighting for a world championship, that's obviously going to be amazing. I'm sure nobody would complain in terms of the competitive side of things when we're all expecting Max and Red Bull to dominate. And uh, yeah, all that stuff going on at Red Bull at the moment. As I said, I didn't want to comment on that too much because... I don't even know if anyone really knows what's going on at the moment. It seems to be absolutely crazy. One thing I have seen a lot of, which might be quite hilarious, even though I think he's incredibly unlikely, is uh, rumours going around saying, oh, would Adrian Newey go to Ferrari if all this stuff with Horner went crazy? And I thought, look, if Adrian Newey somehow was convinced to go to Ferrari, even if the worst thing happens at Red Bull, give Fred Vasseur a lifetime contract because that pulling power is incredible to take not only Mercedes, but Red Bull's best assets from them in the space of a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you had Hamilton, Ferrari and Nui all together, like that's that's like the F1 dream team of the last 20 years. So, yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, like I said, we, we're speaking on Thursday evening, like there's that meeting tomorrow on Friday. So we'll see see what the outcome is. And like I said, if this, if this is coming out on Monday, people listening will probably know more than we do currently. But yeah. I think a lot of fans would be, <laughs> yeah. would, would happy, uh, be happy to see Newey in red, finally. Oh, God, wouldn't that be the truth? I mean, let's be honest. If Ferrari don't win a world championship with a team like Hamilton, Leclerc and Adrian Newey together, then they just never will. It's as simple as no, that. Yeah. We're just... that's, that's proof of a curse. We literally we going back watching tapes of Raikkonen and Schumacher and you know all the rest of them over the years. That's the only way we'll cope as the Tifosi. 
but we always got to look forward. But anyway, I think that's um, pretty much all we've got time for for this episode. I think we've covered that in great detail. And again, once again, Sam, thank you so much for coming on as always. And you can check out more work from Sam. He's covering all the car launches at the moment and all the breaking news with Planet F1. And as always, we'll leave the show. We'll leave the uh, all the socials in the show notes. That's the right word for it. It's been a long day, but there we go. I'll leave all that in the description for you. But of course, let me know your thoughts, guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, let me know your thoughts ahead of the 2024 season. What do you expect from Ferrari? Will there be a runner-up, maybe a champion challenger, or will they falter like most fall storms have before when Ferrari have been a bit overrated, perhaps? But until then, guys, thanks for tuning in as always. Please stay safe. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.